You're listening to the Sixers Beat with your host, Derek Bodner, right here on LibertyBallers.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. Welcome, everybody. This is Derek Bodner along with Max Rappaport and Rich Hoffman on the latest Sixers Beat. It's uh, It's been a while, guys. How you doing? Too right. bad. A little bored. You know, there's not a lot of stuff going on right now. There's in, in Philadelphia sports in general, you had that little brief bit of the NFL draft, but Flyers done, Sixers done, Phillies with that one and six road trip, and these Sixers are nothing going on. And hopefully it picks up real soon. You got the lottery in eleven days, but it has been it has been quiet, especially since draft workouts haven't started yet. So as always, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and the TuneIn Radio app. Also, check out the CLNS Radio app, where you can find Real Gym Radio, Sam Vecini's Game Theory Podcast, and B-Ball Breakdown. Uh, if you can leave us a review, I think it would be, even if you don't necessarily care about our search rankings, which, quite frankly, why would you? I think it would be hysterical if we could get to 1,000 before... Before Spike and Mike, since they are so vain about that. So leave us a review, get us closer. Uh, not, as we just said, not a whole lot to talk about. I think we'll we'll go into a little bit of draft stuff. It's been a couple of weeks. Well, I mean, it's been a couple of weeks since we recorded a podcast in general, but it's been a little while. You know, at the end of the season, we focused a lot on injuries and the season ending and end of season stuff. But now we are starting to get into at least some rumors about the draft. We have all of those guys who have declined to go to the combine. Uh, there are draft workouts that have starting not for the Sixers, but you know for uh, like De'Aaron Fox is holding workouts with his his agency and whatnot. So I guess we'll start this off with kind of a general question: Has there been any real change in maybe your rankings or your big board or anything of that sort that you think is is worthwhile pointing out? No, I mean you know it, I, I don't really see any reason why there would be. Well, if, if maybe you've watched more, like yeah. Right now, I I watch I watch a a lot of basically the way I do it is I kind of while the season's going on, I'll watch games as many as I can, take notes, and now I'll pick certain pieces like De'Aaron Fox's shooting or um, Josh Jackson beating NBA defenders off the break. And I'll go back and I'll kind of focus on that. So that might sway you a little bit. I, I did go back and watch a couple of the tournament games for De'Aaron Fox and. I'm not sure my ranking really changed on him, but I, I will say, like in January, while you know we were watching good NBA basketball, and you couldn't pay a hundred percent attention to college, I, I, just looking at his stats and the scouting reports and everything you read, I just thought this guy's a cross off. He can't shoot, and for the Sixers, I I, I didn't think they were able to to make that uh, that sort of gamble. I will say, like his speed is so overwhelming. And, and, and you sort of forget about that. Like, it, you know, it, it, when Kentucky played better teams, obviously, you know, it was more of a half-court game. But, God, I mean, that guy in the open court is so fast. And I, I guess the, the thing I'm sort of juggling with him right now is, like, how much of, of a weapon can he make that speed? And, you know, it, it, you might think it's a lazy comparison just because it's another Kentucky point guard. But the only guy I can think of that has really, like, harnessed that speed into becoming – uh, basically a superstar player is John Wall. And John Wall has gotten better as a jump shooter and everything like that. 
but but I guess that's sort of what I'm looking at. What what have you seen with his jumper? Yeah, it, well, it, you know, you say you crossed him off because he couldn't shoot, and through the first 19 games, that was absolutely true. He was shooting, uh, where is it? Hold on, 13.5 percent from three through the first 19 games of Kentucky's season, and he didn't necessarily show you much in high school to counteract that. You know, like I remember I had seen him play twice in the EYBL tournaments. In various years, uh, the Nike EYBL tournaments, and we collect all of those stats from those tournaments at Draft Express. And he had shot, where was it? Hold on, um, do 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 percent from three on two hundred twenty-two attempts over three years of EYBL tournaments. So there wasn't really a whole lot to go on to say, okay, like maybe this is just a struggle. Maybe he's just in a you know in a funk, you know. And then in the last seventeen games or so, he shot thirty-seven point five percent. Granted, we're talking about 12 made shots. Like, we're not, there, there is no sample size to go on here. He did shoot, he has, through his career, shot okay from the free throw line. I think that's somewhat encouraging. He has also, throughout his career, passed up on shots, on outside perimeter shots, to a very high degree. And I think that, you know, we talked about this a little bit with Ben Simmons last year, but that to me is my biggest concern, you know, from the jump. He, he just doesn't seem like he has any confidence. In that, from even college three-point range, much less, much less NBA. I saw this on Twitter, but he made four unassisted three-point shots on the entire season. Four, and when you can go under the screen like that, time after time after time after time, you know it takes away his his offense a little bit. So, I'm oh, sorry. A lot of people look at his form and they there's reason for hope, but it's it, it's a, a leap for me to say that I have confidence in it. Yeah, I think I think for me, I. I... I agree, I, I, but I think where I, I do have a little bit of hope for him is, and Rich was talking about it, just his athletic prowess. I, I just feel like he's one of those players who probably never really had to do it for a long time in his career up until basically he was at Kentucky. It was the first time he really was forced to to be a jump shooter, to dominate, and even then he was a really good player at Kentucky even without that part of his game I feel like just looking at him shooting it's almost like the the reverse Lonzo Ball it's like early in the season I was looking at Lonzo Ball's jumper like talking like a month and a half into the season and I'm like this isn't gonna last he was shooting like 49% at that point I'm like this isn't gonna last like this is his jumper so wonky whatever um, and it took a while for me to be like okay I guess he just hits these and it's weird and he can't really pull up and shoot but it's fine Um Whereas Darren Fox, it's like all it takes is me seeing him hit a few and I'm like, his form looks so good and everything about it. He doesn't look like a guy who would shoot so poorly. So, And I guess that combined with the fact that I imagine he probably hasn't really had to grow that part of his game and he's pretty young gives me a little bit of hope. But it, it's also I just can't. For me, I just I don't want him in Philly just because I can't do another He'd be really good if he just figured out a jump shot, if he just like developed this one thing that he absolutely can't do that the Sixers really need, because that's been so many players in the last, really since the process started. It's been a ton of players like that who have one deficit that's really important to what the Sixers are trying to do, um, defending the rim and, and spreading the floor. And I just don't want another player like that. I, t- yeah, I, mean, I totally what- get that. It's like, I just there's something in you that just like we've seen this story before like i let's have a guy with different strengths and weaknesses because i you know and the sixers are still going through this with ben simmons right now but he was such an elite talent you know at at 610 and with his passing that it was worth taking him but god like the, the amount of guys who i've tried to see 
who the Sixers have tried to uh, rework their jumpers. It's like, man, like I just can't do it anymore. The uh, the one thing I will say for Fox, he does feel to me like a guy. If he gets in a workout with some of these other guards, I can see like some rumors and you know oh, yeah, maybe even some facts. Like like people just be like, De'Aaron Fox smoked player X in this workout, or you know if he's making his jumper in an empty gym, like some team will be like, wow, this guy's really impressive. Yeah, no, he, he he could he could really pressure somebody in a workout and make their life miserable. I could see that happening quite a bit. The the thing is, none of these top guys will ever work out against no. each other because <laughs> agents have way too much control over it. You know, when, when when you mention it being more of an emphasis in the NBA than it was in high school, he you know those those two hundred twenty two attempts I mentioned in EYBL that was at about four per game. Now, it's one thing to take a lot of shots. But clearly when he gets the NBA and he's got NBA shooting coaches and this is his, his career and he's coming to the gym every day and, and, and they get him on so many shots a day, you know, it's it's a different level of focus than it was in high school, even if he attempted a lot of them. So I do think he can get better. And it's tough. Like it, it's I think if this wasn't the Sixers and you weren't building around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, I've always kind of been high on De'Aaron Fox. And I never really talked about it too much because for the Sixers, like Rich said, when you're shooting 13% from three, it's just, it's, it's a hard fit to make considering their, considering their current personnel and, and who you like, it's not like there's any question who you're going to build around. And that's, it wasn't workable, but I do like him and I do have a little bit of hesitation to discard him. And I think if he, if it, if this was my team agnostic big board, he might be a top five prospect for me. So I'm going to, it's, 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 I've been kind of going back and forth on him because I do like his talent. I do like the way he plays. I do like his, you know, unteachable athleticism and the way he gets after it defensively. I just, I'm going to, I'm legitimately going to have to watch every shot he took and see whether or not I can, uh, I can fully get behind that. And it's, uh, it's to me, he's one of the, the tougher guys to really rank because of that. But he has been getting a lot of play lately. It does seem like a lot of people now considering him a top five pick and a lot of Sixers fans have kind of grown on him. And I think a lot of it, you know, I think there's two kind of, kind of people. There's the people who watched him earlier in the season and, and really got to know these prospects earlier and discarded him and maybe discarded him prematurely. And then there's the people who kind of wait until tournaments, the conference tournaments, the NCAA tournaments and saw him and now want, you know, think he should be top two, top three type of prospect. And, you know, I'm not sure either one of those are really fair. But uh, I have a question, for, I guess, for the two of you. Would you say that he's the guy for you at the top of the draft that say they fell out of the top three? You'd be most disappointed if they just ended up with him? Yeah, if they were at four, I, I can't imagine there aren't some better Or even if it or... were lower, even if they fell to six or something. Just that if he's the only guy you come out of it with versus like Tatum or Jonathan Isaac or some other player, Dennis Smith Jr. or something. I think I'd have him over Dennis Smith Jr. I think I think he's the only one that you mentioned that I I would be okay taking him over for the Sixers again. Yeah, I think I'd rather have Dennis Smith Jr. But they because uh, I, I do think his shooting off the dribble is more of a worthwhile gamble. But I agree. Here, here's I agree. a question: uh, Do you think let's just take the Sixers out of this on your uh, just regular big board? Would you have Fox ahead of Malik Monk? Yes. I probably would. Yeah. Right right now I would. 
But for the Sixers, no way, right? No. It would be tough. It would be tough to put them ahead. It would be like I, I would have to see. I don't even know. I, that, what's it going to do in an open gym to convince you of that jumper? There's really not much, right? No, I mean, I I guess you would just. I, my big thing he was shooting. So few of them. It's it's tough. My big thing with shooting is all right. If you're not a good shooter, but like, is your form messed up? Because it, once you start reworking form, that's when it's almost like, for me at least, like it's like a no deal. Because I just think like once you're 20 years old, like you've already developed so many habits on on how you play, and you know, I, there's so many things just ingrained in you that you have no idea to, to sort of get the muscle memory to fix that. I, I just can't see it. So I like you said though, I mean, better free throw shooter than Lonzo Ball and Markel Fultz. The Aaron Fox. By a mile, yeah. Which is like... <laughs> and that's on a pretty high sample, too. And even going back to, to his high school days, he he was a decent enough free throw shooter. All right, we're going to get into some more draft talk in a bit. But before we do, I want to tell you about Harry's Razors. I've been subscribing to Harry's for a couple of months now, and you won't believe the quality of the blades you get. And only $2 per blade, they come in at less than half the price of competitors. Harry's is so confident in the quality of their blades, they want you to try their most popular trial set for free. The set comes with a razor handle of your choice, a five-blade cartridge, and shaving gel, and it's free when you sign up. You just pay a small fee for shipping. To redeem your trial offer today, go to harrys.com slash sixersbeat right now. That's harrys, H-A-R-R-Y-S, dot com slash sixersbeat. All right, let's go on to, since you mentioned Lonzo Ball, and the you know it seems like if there's one guy that we can't stop talking about, in Philadelphia, it's 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 well, Lavar Ball. Lavar Ball. I don't think either either of you guys would take him off your board, right? Because of Lavar. No, I wouldn't take him off my board certainly. But I w- here's what I'll say: I was really pumped about the idea of finishing t- one or two in the lottery and getting Ball or Fultz. And now I'm like, if we get two, I kind of want Jackson. Not that I actually think it hasn't changed my opinion of Ball as a player. I'd just be way less pumped about bringing Alonzo Ball to Philly. I would just be like, kind of a bummer. After, I, after like the last few years and just I, I just don't want that that evil put upon us i feel like it's <laughs> it's just like a a stain on everything to have that that the big baller brand come to philly see i max you're you're a sneaker guy are you paying 500 dollars for a, a I will, pair of sneakers i will say those sneakers actually look i mean they look exactly like kobe nines but they're they're nice I mean, if they were like $120, I wouldn't get them, but I'd be like, okay, like, I don't, I wouldn't have, but I was like so ready as soon as I saw um, the Lonzo Ball sneakers were dropping at a certain time. I was like ready to be on Twitter and just like roast them. And then they actually looked kind of good. And then the price came out and then everyone roasted them on that. But like as a sneaker, it's fine. I just, I, I guess I've seen a lot of takes that are like they, put the price at $500 just to get the buzz, which is like, obviously we're talking about it on a Sixers podcast right now. Like it's gotten a ton of buzz just because of the price. So it's almost like if they eventually drop the price is the embarrassment of doing that worth all the publicity they got for the shoes. And I actually don't know if they, that might be a worthwhile thing for them to do, which is what I feel like will happen. Um, but it, it's just, um, it's just embarrassing. Like the whole thing, I, I just, I feel I is feel there, really bad for Lonzo Ball. He just seems like a normal kid. It's like it's sort of like how I felt about Okafor and his dad. Like Jula Okafor, for all the like trouble he got in, it seems like a pretty like normal, soft spoken person. And his dad's like basically making it tougher on him. And like well, KJ's and, mom, and Lonzo same Ball. Thing. Lonzo Ball never punched a 
kid outside of a bar and got the GM fired too. Yeah. Well, this is even more <laughs> pronounced. Yeah. Um, Here, here's what I'll say. Also, Lonzo yeah. Ball or also Levar Ball has been way past where uh, Okafor's dad yeah, ever yeah, went. Yeah. yeah, this is ridiculous. Here's what I'll say. I'm, I'm a little conflicted on Levar Ball because. On one hand, I'm not a huge sneaker guy, so and I, I like the fact that he's fighting Nike and sort of the monopoly that these shoe companies have over that industry. On the other hand, like he just pisses you off so much, yeah. And like he's a type of guy, like if he obviously if Lonzo was drafted by the Sixers, you couldn't trust that guy to just shut up for like two minutes. And and when does that become? Just like too much to handle. Like, are, are, are we just going to talk about uh, Levar Ball on talk radio the whole year? Is that is that going to replace Eagles talk? Because it, it might. Like, like this guy just does not shut up. And yeah, I mean, but, the by the way, the the pricing on the uh, on the slides were my favorite thing. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. What was that like two twenty five for two twenty for slides? Yeah, that you could get it like Macy's for like or JC Penney or something like even that. Even for- even Jordan slides are only like seventy bucks. That's Michael Jordan's brand. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I, I think a price premium was to be expected, right? Because obviously Nike's going to be able to manufacture a shoe cheaper than whatever Alonzo Ball's go, or LeVar Ball's going through, but not uh, not four times the price. Is, is there any real competition at the $500 per pair sneaker segment, Max? I mean, you know? it's, it's like it's like him and Gucci. <laughs> you know, it's like him and like <laughs> real luxury brands, you know, like Givenchy and stuff. Like, I, I just... Um, you know, like those those crazy sneakers that Joel Embiid wears when he's not playing basketball, the like gold and black like Gucci sneakers. Like those are like seven hundred dollars. But I don't think anyone's buying like performance Lonzo Ball shoes for that money. I will say because we brought up Chucky, and Chucky he basically toured with the Sixers. Like he he was he was everywhere, and I think because Levar has, you know, he's got a business empire to run, and he's got two other kids to brand. I'm not sure he's going to be as involved in the day to day as a guy like Chucky is just because he's, you know, he, it makes sense for him to stay out in LA, not travel with the team, not spend as much time in Philadelphia. So maybe that helps a little bit, but yeah, it's, uh, he's, he's definitely a pain in the ass. I mean, God help and the Lakers the if I will he goes say, there. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that could be the worst case scenario. As, as far as being worried about Lonzo too, I'm just worried like his rookie year, when players obviously take lumps because rookies are generally not very good at NBA basketball, like, holy crap, LeBron and Steph Curry are going to be going all out in regular season games yeah. against him. And I, I do yeah. hope he's able to, uh, to weather that, but you know, I, <laughs> I mean, if his, he's also profiting off this too. So, you know, I, I guess he'd take yeah. the good and the bad here. <laughs> yeah. And I, I will say in terms of being a distraction, the way UCLA improved, I mean, look, he walked in and he he changed that club's culture. Like, he changed their style of play. They all bought into it. You don't hear any rumblings from his teammates. He really is a completely different person, seemingly at least, from the outside, than his father. And I think he unfairly at times gets lumped in as like a similar thing. I don't don't think Lonzo Ball is going to walk in and be a problem in the locker room. Maybe some people have a problem with what his father says. I, I assume they will. And maybe that will put him in awkward situations. Maybe maybe he does think too highly of himself. Who knows? But we haven't really heard any of those rumblings at all yet. I mean, I, I think the the uh, the YouTube video that he sent out with uh, Slam, where he was introducing the uh, the shoe, I mean, that was by far the most I've ever heard him talk before. Yeah, so, he's very quiet. Yeah, 
I mean, which is crazy. It, Flashy style of play, but he doesn't he doesn't say much. It was funny, Max. You had a good tweet that you know while he's he's doing this, Markel Fultz is just it seems like he's just locked in a gym working on you know every facet of his game. <laughs> well, it could also be that if Markel Fultz put up a YouTube, people might not even know who he is. No, it is it is funny. I was thinking about that yesterday. Like for as as definitive i feel like as markel fultz is right now as the number 1 he has like no name recognition for people who aren't basketball fans and like real nba fans or or college fans like the average person does not know who markel fultz is whereas i think like ben simmons last year his name recognition was so much higher like i can't think of the oh, last yeah. time a, a, a consensus one was so not in the limelight well, I mean, Rich and I think Rich and I said this on the podcast. I don't think you were on that one, but we were at a game, and he's sitting there with courtside seats, and no, no fans recognized him. Like they just walked right by him until, till he got interviewed by John Clark. Uh, nobody, nobody really recognized him. It was kind of startling. I mean, think about Wiggins. The number one pick like, in the draft. People, people wore Andrew Wiggins jerseys to Sixers games that first year. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just a different, different thing. Yeah. And I think he's better than Wiggins was as a prospect. Oh, me sure. too. I think pretty easily. Thirty-three um, k followers on Twitter for Fultz, one hundred thirty-three k for Lonzo. Wow, what I'm about surprised Levar? that's low. Yeah. Well, Levar, I mean, Lavar has been. I mean, he's been a sensation ever since he joined this week. So, uh, let's see what he said. Did he call any more people poor for yeah, not Le- being able to afford his uh, five hundred dollars sneakers? <laughs> he hasn't. Uh, that was his last tweet. But he's been on Twitter for a week, and he already has more followers than Markel Fultz, which is. Uh, Pretty good. If you're not, if you, if you can't afford the Zotus, you're not a big baller. <laughs> Color me a, a small a baller then. <laughs> I'm not a big baller. Yep. All right. Let's go to the, the, the forwards and just general thoughts on, you know, the Jackson Tatum, Isaac trio. I've, I've gotten really high on Josh. Jack- that That's probably the biggest mover for me is Josh Jackson. Um, you know, I already my, my top three was pretty definitive. Um, yeah, I guess it's it's jumped around a little bit, but I'd say the the most common three I've had, and the one probably for the last month or month and a half that I've had, is Fultz at one, and then some combination, some order of Lonzo Ball and and Jackson. I'm feeling more and more like I want Jackson at two if they if they end up there, just because going back and watching film, um, I think obviously a little bit a little bit of it's tempered by just not wanting the headache of Lonzo ball, but also just, I, th- I think Josh Jackson's a really nice fit. Um, he's a better shooter than I realized. He's, I, I think immediately a pretty elite defender as a 20 year old, um, really underrated passer like that. That's just having another guy on the floor who can do that would be awesome. I, you know, I think he could fit with Coving with the way they're going to use Simmons. I could see him fitting alongside him and Covington even, so I guess before I was imagining um, he'd be bumping Covington out of the lineup, but I think the way they're going to use Simmons maybe opens that up to be, you know, Covington can play the four and he can play the three a little bit. So I'm higher on Josh Jackson than I was before. I, and I think I'm probably lower on Tatum than most Sixers fans. Like he's he's probably the guy when I asked that question before about Fox, whether he was the guy you'd least want in, at the top of the draft. For me, it's actually Tatum even though I think Tatum's a little bit better, I guess as you as you say it, the agnostic big board, um, I would have Tatum above Fox, but I just I think the fit's even worse because 
He doesn't stretch the floor. He's a good mid-range shooter, but he doesn't stretch the floor. He's fairly ball dominant, like needs to create his own offense. He primarily plays like, I, I think he'll be like a 4-3 in the NBA. And I just think it it's probably your position of least need. And he doesn't do a lot of the same things as Ben Simmons, but it's an Embiid, but he requires a lot of, um, he requires a high usage rate. And I just don't, see the fit with with what he how he complements everyone else that the Sixers have right now the thing I'll say for Tatum is that he doesn't strike me as a guy who's really elite at anything but he's good at a lot of stuff and the question is can he get a little better the he is the weird prospect who god I don't know if he can take a step back to the three NBA three-point line I just don't know and that's a big deal for a guy who is a pretty good mid-range shooter and you know, never gets his shot blocked from there and, and all of those good things. The, the thing about Jackson I'd like to see, it, it's tough because I, I think in that alignment, he would have to guard shooting guards or Rocco would. And you wonder if they're both, I, not to say that they, they can't do it. I mean, Rocco guarded point guards a lot this year. He, he basically guarded whoever the other team's best perimeter guy was, but, but that might be a little bit taxing chasing a player around the screen. But just having Jackson and Covington play at the same time, the amount of deflections the Sixers would get would be absolutely insane. Yeah, and that that's kind of where I'm at with Isaac, too. Because I think as good of a defender as Jackson is, I think Isaac might have more potential on that side of the court. You know, he's, I think, the best deep shooter of the three. I think that you can make it the case for Tatum in the mid-range. But I think Isaac is it probably has the best shooting potential of the three. And I think... My one disagreement with Max would probably be on Josh Jackson's shooting. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in that shot. And if there's one guy I could see struggling to ever really be a consistent three-point shooter, I think it's probably Jackson, or a consistent perimeter shooter, even even from the mid-range. Because I think, like Rich, there's some question whether Tatum's going to extend out to the NBA three-point line. But if there's any of those guys that I think could just be a, a non-shooter, it's it's Jackson, and he's the one I worry about the most in that regard. I like I like Isaac a lot, and he might be in my top five right now. And I think that defensive versatility is huge. I do think as he bulks up, not a lot, but as as a little bit of strength, he can defend either spot. I think he can move his feet on the perimeter the best. Again, probably even better than Jackson, which is saying a lot because I think Jackson is is a really good defender. But I think I think I think Isaac might have both the most versatility and the most impact on those ends. I think the way he can, you know, force steals, switch pretty much constantly and then alter shots from the weak side. I think, uh, I think that's tough to tough to get. And you know, whether or not he's ever going to reach his offensive potential, I don't know. You talk to a lot of people around, around the team and around him. And there's, you know, he's, he's the type that, you know, he doubts himself a lot and there's not a whole lot of self-confidence in that regard. And that's maybe holding him back a little bit. And on the one hand, I think he, you know, you talk about whether Tatum can really be effective if he's not a focal point offensively. That kind of mindset from Isaac kind of helps being a role player. Like he's going to stay in his role, stay in his lane, shoot from the perimeter, cut off the ball, you know, play defense. And that's great. And But you just wonder whether or not he has that other gear in him. Is he, is he relegated to being a third or a fourth or a fifth option offensively? I think he has potential to be more. But, uh, you know, whether or not he's going to be assertive enough is another question. It's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a great trio. It's, it's really, because I, I like, the one thing I always say about Tatum, he was a better passer than I expected, and he was a better defender than I expected. And that offense, he's he's clearly talented. 
like Rich said, he can get a shot off in the mid-range pretty much whenever he wants. And it's a, it's an unblockable release. But is it a style of play that's going to fit in well with, with Embiid and with uh, with Simmons? And that I'm not so sure of. But I, I do like him defensively quite a bit. I will say, whenever we talk about draft prospects, it just makes me want this Lakers pick so bad. This draft is just... I mean, obviously at the top, there are a few guys I really like, but no matter where the, the pick falls, um, I... I mean, I would be really happy with six and four. I'd be happy with, you know, the Lakers pick falling to five. Like I, I think there's so much talent at the top, like in the top seven of this draft. And well, but the follow up question is, have you watched much uh, Luka Doncic or Michael Porter? Jr.? I know, I know. Yeah, I I like both of them a lot. Um, I look, I'll I, I think for me, I'll be. It's kind of win. I see it as a win win. I won't be disappointed if. If the Lakers pick conveys, it means they have two top six picks or top five picks. Um, if it doesn't convey, as I think I'll be disappointed if the Sixers fall out of the top four or top three and don't get the Lakers pick, just because that would kind of be a blow for this year. But I'd still be excited about the Lakers pick next year. Um, if the Sixers jump into the top three, I'm totally fine with the Lakers pick not conveying. But it, I, I will say that huh. getting the pick, I'll be really excited. Like last year, I, I was hoping it wouldn't convey, or I was like, Totally fine with it not conveying this year. I'm a little more wanting it to convey, but at the same time, because it's unprotected next year, it's a, it's a lot easier to get over that if it doesn't. See, I, I go the exact opposite way. Whereas if the Sixers pick ends up being top two, then I'm kind of fine with the pick conveying this year because at that point you have three studs and I'd like to get some certainty in terms of role players and the other two pieces around mm-hmm. them. But if the Sixers fall to five or six, I want that last chance at a real elite prospect and i kind of if the sixers go five or six i kind of want that lakers pick to convey next year that's a good point but you're right it's 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 really win-win either way uh, and it's it's you know let's say the lakers i ran these numbers the other day lakers end up with the fifth worst record last year which is probably a a fair guess they might end up being a little bit better if if they if the, any paul george thing actually comes to fruition and we talk about the lakers attracting you know a, a real stud in a trade or a real stud in free agency every year and it never happens but if they finish with the fifth worst record, you'd basically have an 18% chance at a top two pick. And is an 18% chance at Don Chicker Porter better than a guarantee at Jonathan Isaac or Malik Monk? And it's a, it's, it's a really good debate. It's a really good debate. It, it's a whole lot better than last year, man, with Chris Dunn and, yeah. and all these people. I really oh. didn't want that. I, I remember when some people who sort, sort of more mainstream people who don't follow the Sixers said, oh, man, that stinks that they didn't get the pick. And I was thinking, no, no, this is okay. And <laughs> yeah. after watching this rookie class, I don't think I was firm enough in saying that at, at the time. Right. The right. Uh, I think I think here, here here's kind of a, a question. I'll go back to you in a second, Rich. Or actually, you go first, and then we'll go on to the next question. Well, I, I mean, just the it, it's hard. I, I struggle so much trying to figure out what's the better scenario. Do you want the two picks this year? Or next year, I would actually go with Max on that. I would say if if you get, especially if you get my best case scenario is give me uh give me faults and and then let the one roll let it roll over till next year because next year there are still other good players after those guys. Although although it is true that it does seem like there's big guys next year after that, so you know there could be some positional overlap with with Embiid. And maybe like you, you already have Rashawn. It's not like you need another backup center. But I, I really want Luka Doncic for some reason. I, I just love the idea of the Sixers having this international team, which is all these guys who, 
just can really play and really pass the ball and seem like they'd be fun to play together. So, so that's sort of my two cents on that. And, and I guess the last thing I'd say is, uh, thank God for that Michael Carter Williams trade. <laughs> <laughs> the benched for, uh, uh, Isaiah cannon, Michael Carter Williams trade. Um, Donchick is fun. I was watching, watching a couple games of his the other day. He kind of reminds me in terms of the way he moves a little bit like Manu. He's not the athlete Manu was. Uh, he can shoot from the perimeter though. And he might, he's probably a better passer than Manu was. He's fun. He's a, he's a lot of fun to watch. And the, what he's doing uh, for Madrid in the ACB at his age, he, he just turned 18. He's averaging like eight, four and four. It's, it's pretty insane. It's pretty insane. He's a he's a really good prospect. In terms of this draft class, we all have these notions of how strong it is. Coming into this season, I guess my question is how has that changed over the last, you know, eight months or whatever? For me, I think there's a little less star power at the top. To me, Fultz is far and away the top guy, and he's a really good prospect. And then I, I think there's a lot of like a lot of second lower end second best guy on championship team or contender type teams, third best guys. But I, I do think there's a lot of them, you know, there, there could be like four or five. And to, to me, that is where the, uh, the strength of this draft goes. And I, the other thing too, is I'm not sure it's quite as deep as I thought it was. You know, once you get into the tens, there are good players and it's probably better than let's say last year, but I don't think it's quite as strong as I thought heading in. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think you're right. Like right when you get around 11, 12 is where I, I feel like it drops off. Um, and I guess I still feel like Jackson and Ball are, are in that category for me where I, I see them as potential, you know, best player on a championship team if they pan out properly. And obviously with Fultz too. Um, but I do think this draft is, is unique. Maybe it's not. Maybe Maybe this happens every year and I'm just... With hindsight, you don't think about it this way. But I look at guys like Dennis Smith. I look at guys like Jonathan Isaac or um, even Fox. And I, I do see guys who have, if everything panned out the right way, have that potential to be like, I, I see Fox as a guy who, if everything panned out, could be like John Wall or, you know, Tatum could be a, you know, really, really good player. Um, and maybe that happens in every draft. But I just look at guys like Dante Exum and Aaron Gordon and like, people who normally go in the four, five, six range in most drafts, and I don't see that kind of upside. And maybe that's because I know, already know those players haven't become that, but it feels different. I don't know if you guys feel that way at all. Yeah, I think the top 10 is the strength. Uh, on, on Draft Express, I think Frank the French guy is 10th. The Draw a line right <laughs> there for me. And then I think there's a little bit of a drop-off, not only in terms of the Sixers with their, you know, their positional needs, because there's a lot of guards and wings in the top 10, but also just on talent level, because I think it's like Zach Collins next from from Gonzaga, who, you know, I I, I think there's a drop off. Let's say. I think the top end talent is probably a little less than I, I I was hoping for, or at least that I hoped for coming into the season. Not that it's a bad top end, on the whole. It's just I, there are a couple guys that I might have downgraded in terms of overall upside, but the depth of it is certainly uh, certainly as advertised, and that's probably. Probably just as important. Um, I just saw a tweet on from Sports Radio WIP. RT, if you want Lonzo Ball to end up on the Sixers, like if you want him far, far away, take a take a guess on the the spread on that. 
I'm going to uh, say over 70% away. Yeah, I'd say maybe even higher. Low 70s. 10 retweets. So 10 one on the Sixers. 528 oh likes. <laughs> well, I will say the the retweet versus like is never a fair vote because people, no, people are, a like is way easier than a, than a retweet. Two totally different right. functions. The level of commitment between those two is not, you can't even compare it. <laughs> Why they created the poll. Yes. Right, right. Although Max, you're you're very good at at trying to get retweets out of stuff like yes. that. Like you you play that game exceptionally. Thank well. you. Um, uh, you brought up you brought up Frank, and this will be the last topic that we have for today. Thoughts on Frank as a fit here? I have no idea. Like I I I like the idea of Frank Tilakina as like the freaky like Dennis Schroeder type who maybe can shoot, but. It's like I've only seen like two YouTube videos of him and the latest one came out two months ago and it's like all the same five games. It seems like, it, you know, I, he looks like I I want to really like him and I think he's a guy for me who could rise really fast at the end if, you know, he comes in for work similar to Przingis, like he comes in for workouts, measures maybe better than even I don't even think there's a wingspan on him, but people say it's around seven feet, like measures better than expected um, looks really good shooting the ball and, and, you know, the workouts he does and whatever I could, I could sell myself on him at four or five. Whereas I don't see that with like, there are other guys I feel more set on, but I just like, have at this point, I, I don't know if either of you feel like, you know, any more than I do, but I don't feel like I've seen enough to really have a strong opinion about him. Yeah. For playing in a pretty good league, I, I still feel a little bit in the dark on him. Most of the footage I've seen of him is in that, uh, that U18 tournament where he was lighting everybody up, but I, I you know, that's not quite a Giannis playing in church basements in Greece, but like, it's not, you know, the greatest competition either by any means. So I love the idea of him though. Just, just a long guard who can play off the ball and just completely harass the other team's point guard. I, I love the idea, but I, you know, he's probably going to be a guy that the workouts are going to matter the most for him. Teams are really going to want to see him yeah. up close. And their their season is ending sooner than it has in previous previous years, whereas a lot of those guys would play into early June, mid June, and they wouldn't even get a chance to come over here. So that would be good for him. He kind of has a similar weakness as Ball does in terms of he does just he doesn't create a whole lot in the half court. Like he's not going to score a lot off the pick and roll. He struggles when he gets in the paint. He's not, you know, really explosive. He needs to get stronger. His touch isn't really there. His shot improved tremendously, and I did. I did watch a lot of his shooting uh, this spring, and he's he's much more confident in that shot, and that is so huge for him. And the defense is is obvious. Like you just watch a couple of possessions, and you can see how good of a defender he can be at that point guard spot. He's probably never gonna, I don't think, score enough, or even really operate as like he doesn't have balls passing for sure, or a lot of these guys passing to be honest. So he's probably never going to put up the numbers. I, I kind of look at him as a six-five Patrick Beverly, and you know, are people are people going to be happy about that with a top ten pick? Probably not, because he's never really going to put up the put up the numbers like that. But I think he could be a I think he could be a real nice fit. Like if you if you got one of one of my kind of sneaky scenarios in this draft is let's say you get the number two pick, Markel Fultz is off the board, the Lakers are picking behind you. Well, you know, advertise through you know, unsourced rumors that you're not taking Lonzo ball and that the pick is available for trade. 
and try to convince the Lakers that you have a buyer and see how much they panic to try to move up. Because when a lot of these GMs come into their first job, they really get fixated on a guy. And it seems like magic is with Lonzo. And if you can use that to your advantage, if you're not necessarily a Lonzo Ball fan, if the Sixers aren't, then it would be, you know, I'd like to see what they could, if they could Vlade Divac their way into another trade. So I don't know how that means getting another top 10 pick. The Lakers clearly don't have that. But it would be interesting, even if you're moving down one spot, which is all you could move down one spot, it would be interesting to try to take the Lakers for what they're worth. But if the Sixers fall down farther in the draft, I do like Frank. I just don't think he's going to be... I don't think a lot of people are going to look at him and be a sexy pick or necessarily even a successful pick down the line. Because like I said, I just don't see him scoring at a high enough volume. And on a team with Ben Simmons, he's probably not going to create all that much as a at least a primary guy anyway. Yeah, but if that's his weakness... If Ben Simmons turns out to be great, feels like that'd be a pretty good fit, though. Good fit. Yeah. Yep. No, it absolutely is. It absolutely yeah. is. Patrick Beverly is um, the the perfect player, I think. If you could just he re- pluck a, a point guard, a non star point guard from another team, it'd be Patrick Beverly for me. Right. I was gonna say, I think I think Steph might be the perfect player. Yeah. But yeah, no, absolutely. No, but like just like um, just like a reasonable archetype to get, though. I think Beverly's way up there. Oh, yeah. Just oh my god, watching him in the playoffs has been great. What did Maury sign yeah. him for? And by this the is way? a. Like it was like six a year. Oh, I think yeah. Wow, that was that. that might and be again. His best some word. people thought that controversial because he's a ten point three assist kind of guy, and if you don't watch him every day, you probably don't see the value in that. But he is he is tremendous, and this would be a an eighteen year old six five version of that rather than a you know twenty nine year old um, you know six one version. So, and I'm not sure he's going to be the defender that Beverly is because Beverly's a He's very much an outlier in terms of the way he's able to pressure the ball, but in that kind of mold. All right, I think that's probably good. Not a no reason to really drag this out. So thank you guys for hopping on. We'll talk to you soon. See you, man. See ya. You've been listening to the Sixers Beat right here on LibertyBallers.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. Clientele, my mic check is life or death, breathing a sniper's breath. I exhale the yellow smoke.